0: Hi, I'm John Morgo, one of the last three guys to a podcast. We've switched our platform to Anchor. Why? Well, there's a couple of reasons. It's free. They'll help you produce and record your podcast. They'll also help distribute it, get you on Spotify, iTunes, and all the rest. And you can make money from it, even without any listeners. It really is a great deal. So join us. Download the software at anchor.fm and click to get started. And, And be with us, the last three guys to a podcast on Anchor. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever and whenever you happen to be listening to us in this great wide world brought together by the internet. We are the last three guys to do a podcast. I'm John Mordo, Daniel Bolton, Leon Brown, joining me as usual for a Sunday night here in the metro Atlanta area, full of sporting action. I've got the Masters on right now. Matsuyaka's got a big lead of a couple of strokes heading into the final final holes. Looks like he's going to become the first player from Japan to ever win a green jacket. Congratulations to him. We are waiting at the top of the hour for the uh, release of the NAIA football bracket 2021 football championship that's going to do to get released at the top of the hour So we'll be kind of sitting on pins and needles for that. Where will Reinhardt wind up? Will the Eagles be on the road? Will they be hosting a game at Ken White Field in Waleska? We'll know that before we sign off here tonight. Uh, Also, guys, big news out of Nashville. I don't know if you heard this. Uh, In the vein of Jackson, of, uh, Jackson State hiring Deion Sanders, Tennessee University, TSU, just announced they hired Eddie George. To be their head coach yeah. coming Tennessee next season. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, Tennessee State University. Yep they they've hired Eddie George today. Yeah, that's correct.
0: And they didn't. And I heard that they didn't formally fire their uh, old coach, which I'm sure is now news to him. Uh, but yeah, so it seems like that we've got a, a bit of a run here on this. Um, now, of course, Dion did is having some success. Over at Jackson State. What are your thoughts on uh, what seems to be going on? Seems to be a growing trend down in the HBCU circuit.
1: I think it's a, it's a. I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, I, I think that what it's trying to say is that hey, if we get big time names down here like a Deion Sanders or like an Eddie George, who are all great players, uh, Deion Sanders to me, I think. Uh, perhaps the best defensive player I've ever seen play in the NFL. Eddie George, one of the one of the all time greats as far as the running back position goes. Uh, just to, to have those names to exploit the HBCUs and to give HBCUs a little bit more love, and think what this would do with Tennessee State. Now, the only difference is that Eddie George has never coached, right? Okay, so that's the only difference. Deion Sanders, he's had a lot of. Uh, of course, he had his own league, and he's been an assistant—not at, at big-time schools, but you know, this was just a, a right landing place for him, as far as Jack is concerned. Now, with Eddie George, I mean, it's still Eddie George, right? And Tennessee State could be up there. Think about what he, what Dion did for Jackson State. Mm-hmm. His recruiting class was ranked 93rd in the entire nation, right? that that's an amazing feat to accomplish. And, and I mean, you, you bring in all of these four or five star guys down here who could clearly play on a division one team, uh, even in a power five conference, you can have that. And, and, you know, they can pass up on that and, and go to an HBCU school. So I think the name itself with Eddie Jones, I don't know how he's going to be. I don't think any of us know, but, uh, you know, to have an opportunity like that. I think that that's something special, especially in the cases of the historically black colleges and universities.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Leon, what are your thoughts on this? Well,
2: it's interesting that, you know, Tennessee State comes up yet again because, um, you know, Masterpiece Sun, uh recently chose Tennessee State University, you know, he's a basketball player to go to, so This Tennessee State has been in the news for the right reasons for the often. I think this is also a good thing because you've seen a a a lot of um, talent, you know, has you know been going to a lot of the your your more mainstream D one universities. I think this is we're we're about to see a growing trend going towards the hbcu direction again i think within like the next um within like the next five years we're going to start seeing a lot of um you know five-star talent start attending these hbcus again it's going to it's turn to the 50s again right but, but this is- this, this, this would be
0: but as Daniel said, he uh, Eddie has never coached on a uh, professional level. At least Dion has some had some experience. He kind of he volunteered with his son's high school. And he's and Dion did bring in top quality assistant coaches to fill out his his roster. So Eddie George is going to have to do at least the same thing to kind of make up for that. But again, as Daniel pointed out, at the end of the day, it's still Eddie George. He his name carries a lot of weight in Nashville. He's uh, been with the Titans for. He's probably the face, probably the most famous living Tennessee Titan. Uh, I say living with the exception of, you know, Steve McNair, but he, that name does carry a lot of weight, a lot of cachet. So he's going to be able to go in and recruit very well in the Nashville area, um, getting these kids to come. But again, he's got to have a very – some very good uh, staff members that he has to pick. So he's going, it's going to be a very key couple of weeks for, for Eddie to uh, fill out that staff and again, we've had, the recruiting trail is kind of I would I don't know if it's cold because we had National Signing Day of uh, the second round of the National Signing Day a few months ago. Uh, whether or not it'll affect his, this incoming class, we don't know. Whether or not people will switch to Eddie George, at, you know that remains to be seen. But as I said, he's got to get a very competent staff, and excuse me, he's got excuse me again, he's got to hit that recruiting trail hard. Especially in that right. middle Tennessee area.
2: Oh um, I think I, I think he should do just fine. You know, at the end of the day he is Eddie George. Mm-hmm. And um he has a wealth of experience behind him. I believe um didn't Eddie George go to Ohio State? Yes. He did.
0: Yes he did. Yes he did. Right.
2: Well, so, you know, he he has a you know, this man a, a, a George has a has a wealth of experience. I'm pretty sure he knows the game of football
1: pretty well. And I believe he'll do pretty good.
2: Yeah, you know, it's interesting though, because um would you call the move that that UNC made to finally after like a million years get a blackhead coach a bit, you know, was was that was that a bit on the desperate side of them?
1: I don't think so. No, I don't think I, so I think either. That, yeah, yeah, I think Hubert Davis, well, for one, he's he's one of the he, he's a uh, he was a great basketball player at North Carolina. He played for the New York Knicks um, during the Jordan era. Um, he and he's been on that bench for, with Roy Williams for nine seasons. Right. So he. He earned that. I, I I believe, and I and I can't speak for the rest of the North Carolina faithful, but he actually earned that position. And I think he worked his way up. He spent nine seasons, and remember, he left ESPN to go back to North Carolina to coach under Roy Williams. So I believe that he he put in the time and he put in the energy to do so, and to and to be able to get that position. Now, you, you know, filling Roy Williams' shoes that's it was Roy Williams. I mean, he led that team to a national championship and he's led them to multiple NCAA tournaments. they won a couple of uh, ACC championships under him. Uh Just eat. And you know, Roy just felt like he just was not the right guy to lead this team. And he's speaking of himself and Hubert Davis, like I said, nine years. I mean, you put the time in, just like Patrick Ewan did. Patrick Ewan spent years as an assistant um, in the NBA. And when the Georgetown position came up, it was like, okay, th- look, this is, this is where we need to go with this. Jawan Howard, going back to Michigan, spent, what, six, seven seasons under Eric poster. Mm -hmm. before he went to uh and he was an assistant he was actually he became an assistant that was a player he was a player coach basically uh so he learned a lot from eric spolstra and he was able to get the michigan job nearly you know had a great season with them in his second season and i mean listen you get you get these alumni these big-time names these big-time guys these you know, these big-time players who once played for their alma mater, and you get them in that position, recruiting is going to be big. It, it should be at least, especially in, in their particular area. Like, Tobacco Road, Uber Davis, and he's going to have a tough one. He got He's still got Coach K over there at Duke. Right. But it, it's still – they still earn their spots where they are now. I still believe Pat Ewing – earned his spot. Uh Juwan Howard earned his, and so did Hubert Davis. Especially Hubert Davis, because he was under the same system.
0: Yeah, the, there won't be any disruption in continuity for for Hubert mm-hmm. Davis to come in. And I think that's a very important thing to realize. He kinda had the inside track for that job to begin with. I mean it was right. pretty much it was pretty much his to lose it was his to lose. And all he had to do was get in there and do a good job and keep the system so yeah i mean he i mean this really was a kind of a no-brainer for north carolina to do it to go there and i'm glad they i'm glad they did because again it's all about recruiting preparing for next year north carolina didn't have the they didn't have the best of seasons and of course this really wasn't a good season for the blue bloods you know duke never got in kentucky didn't get in and and you know roy williams his tar heels didn't have a season to which they were generally accustomed so this is something it's a it's a pretty good it's a pretty good move for North Carolina again but as you said Daniel it's all about recruiting uh, they're gonna lose Walker Kessler he just uh, jumped into the NCA transfer portal which seems to be ballooning with names maybe because of this the crazy year we've had but uh, he's gone in there so they're gonna lose a very big, uh, seven foot one tower in the middle they're gonna have to rebuild their entire front court. For next season and while right. we're on the subject of the NCAA uh, Baylor did defeat Gonzaga they didn't defeat them they pummeled them uh, in that national championship game it wasn't it pretty much I watched the first 10 minutes then realized oh this is just going to be an absolute uh, white whitewash it's going to be a right. uh, the drama got sucked out of it early did Gonzaga in your opinion did Gonzaga choke under the pressure or was just Baylor that good?
1: Baylor from from the tip let everyone know that they were the better team. This is how it was going to happen. If you go back and you look at that first possession uh uh they grabbed the offensive rebound they actually had they grabbed three consecutive offensive rebounds uh in that first possession and put them up and and they jumped out to a nine nothing lead, but they let everyone know and they let them, bag them know hey. This is the kind of game you're going to have to play if you're going to beat us. We're going to harass you. We're going to beat you up on the inside. We're going to out-rebound you. And we're going to make it difficult for you to get an open shot. And, and that's basically what it was. If you go back and look at that tape, guys, Gonzaga had a hard time getting off just about every single shot they took up. Every single shot they took up. Every layup. Every dunk. Everything was contested. They did a great job keeping Timmy out of the paint. uh Jalen suggs they, they kind of made everybody else around Jalen Suggs beat them and and give credit to that young man. He's probably a top two draft pick in next year's draft uh in this summer's draft mm-hmm. but but Baylor and, and Davion mitchell who who I think should, who I think he was the big 12 defensive player of the year, man, he's going to be a monster. In the NBA, guarding guards and guarding the ones and twos. because he's an outstanding defensive player. Their guards, Jared Butler on down, they were phenomenal, and and they just bullied them. Gonzaga hadn't been bullied like that all season. No, and I, and I'm gonna say this, and I'm gonna say this, and this is listen because Gonzaga had an unbelievable season. Okay, let's, let's not take that away from them. They, they did something they had never done before. This was by far Mark Few's best team he's ever had out of the 21 years he's been there. It doesn't even come close. But I going to say this, and I'm not making any excuses for Gonzaga. Don't get me wrong right. when I say this. But sometimes in basketball, and Leon, you can agree with me on this if you want. You disagree with me. Sometimes uh-huh. in basketball, we can tell... Within the first ten minutes of that game, if the last game affected you, had some sort of effect on you, UCLA in that final four game took Gonzaga to the brink, mm-hmm. to where Suggs had to get a hit, a game winning shot for them to get out of there and even advance to Monday night. UCLA gave them everything they could get, physically, mentally, and emotionally. And I think when you when you combine Baylor's beatdown with the fact that Gonzaga was still welling over Saturday night.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: Gonzaga had no shot. Right, going into that game at all, and I'm going to say this: if they play that game five more times, Baylor beats them four out of five. Baylor was just that good. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: Baylor was that good. Remember, remember in January they were hit with the COVID situations, they could have been unbeaten going into that had they not lost to Oklahoma State and Kansas. But remember, they came back from being off for three weeks. It jacked them up. The program suffered from COVID. They got hit the hardest probably in the Power 5 conference. They, but they came back. They got themselves right. They got themselves together and was able to do it. And I, I took my hat off to them. I took my hat off to both teams. They both had incredible seasons, but Baylor just physically beat Gonzaga down. And I, and I think it was... It, I wasn't shocked that Baylor won the game. I was shocked on the way that they handled Gonzaga. And I think it's because we hadn't seen Gonzaga be in a compromising situation like that. Gonzaga Before that game, Gonzaga's only been challenged twice.
3: Mm-hmm. And
1: that was in the tournament title game against BYU and against UCLA in the Final Four.
0: Right. Yeah, no question Baylor owed a debt of gratitude to UCLA for pretty much exhausting them, taking away all of their uh, whatever you want to call it, just kind of dr- pushing them to the limit, draining them, and there was just nothing left in the tank for them, especially when uh, Baylor especially when Baylor started putting up points on the board. They just couldn't handle it. They just couldn't come back. There was just nothing left in the gas tank for ba- for uh, Gonzaga in that one, so really UCLA gets a lot of credit for Baylor's victory in the national ch- in the national championship game, and it's just a shame that it's going to uh, kind of detract a little bit from uh, Gonzaga's like from Gonzaga's legacy. Uh, in terms of what they were able to do this season, going undefeated, joining kind of like the New England Patriots from last decade, just getting to that point where an undefeated season was in their reach and then just kind of laying an egg in that championship game, although New England performed very well in their Super Bowl against the Giants. They were just the victim of a lucky catch against a helmet. Uh, Again, Baylor was clearly the better team from the tip, from the opening tip, and uh, good job for Coach Drew Kind of give Baylor uh, the national title, bringing it to Waco, Texas, which is um, mm-hmm. in between Austin and Austin and Dallas, on uh, in Texas. So I mean, I, I and and I, if you look at back at everything Baylor has been through, this is a program that was on life support in the 2000s. It yeah. was all I mean, they came v- about as close as you can get to having the. I don't want to use this term because uh, of the circumstances surrounding it, but there really is no other word phrase to use the death penalty. Um, They had a correct because they had a a murder amongst their amongst their players, and you know it, it just came it came very close to wiping out that program, and to come back from that to the pinnacle of college basketball. Coach Drew deserves a ton of support and thanks and appreciation for a great job in bringing Baylor back. So we'll see whether or not they can hang on next year or whether or not we will get you know the, the programs that are normally college basketball, the elite, and, of course, the Kentucky, the Dukes. Will they come back this next season? But, again, with the way college basketball is, with the culture that college basketball is now, and the one-and-done uh, phenomenon... Will that be, will that be, uh, get in their way or, you know, what kind of, and we've been saying this for a long time as to what college basketball is going to look like. And I think at this point, no one really has any idea what next season, what next season has to offer. We're just glad that this season is basically came through without a hitch we met, we talked a little bit about this last week how the uh, tournament went off pretty flawlessly pretty smoothly maybe some hiccups you know virginia commonwealth for one uh, i think the f- the format of a centralized location i think that was a hit for everybody it made things. Absolutely. It made things more interest. I won't say more interesting. It, it's it's certainly tightened things up. Uh, whether or not the NCA is going to go back to that, I doubt it extremely. Simply because they get so much money from bringing from uh, sending the tournament to all the different locations and all the and certainly all the uh, tourist dollars that come in from like when an Albany hosts it, from when a Tucson hosts it. And all those other, all those other metropolitan areas that get this influx of fans for three days every April, the, uh, it's going to be very tough for the NCAA to get away from that. Now the women, by the, uh, by the, in the other term, they might actually go to this, to, to that centralized location like San Antonio, and there's a lot. To be said for for that for the women, the only difference is it would uh, again deprive of the top 16 seeds that opportunity to host that first round series, and of course get and Of course, you know, get the tourist dollars. But I think I think the women might have a, at least a different idea, and that me, that might be something that they're gonna di- they're gonna look at over the um, over the course of this of the summer. And again, the, the women have a. Are, they're doing their. Mu- they're doing what they can to uh, a, a, not alleviate um, the, to educate people as to the differences. Remember, there was that viral video that compared the women's uh, gym, for lack of a better word, and with what happens in the men's gym, uh, with the weight room and, and the broad disparity between the two, and of course. People are saying, first of all, they're saying one argument that I heard is that the women's tournament loses money. And the only tournament that makes money is the men's tournament, and that kind of subsidizes everybody else. So, of course, we're going to want to uh, give all the facilities to the men because they are where the bread is buttered in terms of college basketball. Because, again, college, college football and college College football and to, a little, and to a little part college basketball are where the NCAA makes its money. And that pretty much subsidizes everything else. There was a thing where uh, ESPN was getting hammered on social media. The uh, upcoming NCAA volleyball tournament uh, is coming up. And the first two rounds, ESPN pretty much said we're not going to have any announcers for them for this we're going to go completely announcerless and there was a huge upcry on social media saying how can you do this you know we need to know who these players are we need some information on the teams and the and ESPN kind of kind of relented now whether or not ESPN was using a lack of funds as an excuse or something uh, I'm not really sure the reason why because now with i mean with covid right now ESPN has realized that hey, they don't have to send in announcers. You know that we could we could zoom them in uh, with these mobile uh, studio setups. We can do that, and, I, and we're going to see that I think a lot more as we head on down as we head on down the road. So you look you look at that. Uh, between where the NCA is, uh, between what the resources they devote to their men's tournament, resources devote to their women's tournament, the women's are saying, "Hey, we want a bigger piece of the pie," and uh, I just want to see if you think that they are going to get better, better equipment, better gear. And yes, it's a, it's a, it's a very tough issue a very tough issue. Yeah, there's you, no easy answer to this.
1: Right. You, you, but you said a lot there, John. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if they are, but should they? Oh, you gotta believe it. Yes. There's no question they should. You, 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 no question. No question about... You know, and during the tournament, they showed... I don't know if you guys saw this, but on the... um, I, I don't know if somebody did a special on it or, or what they did, but it was something disparaging that I did see um, within the, uh, if you look at and, and, and yeah, you were talking about how the gym set up for the men and versus how the gym is set up for the women. I saw that too. The the worst thing that I saw was that was the food. Mm-hmm. They, the, the men had this spread out. Uh, I mean, I'm talking about like, they looked like they were in heaven. Yeah. And the women looked like they got box lunches.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Or it looked like something that we would have eaten in the fourth grade in elementary school. It's a damn shame that they have to be, that they have to be treated the way that they are. Um, It's, it's, it's a shame. It really is. And we've seen some of the very best come out of uh, of college box this final four was something special I mean Adia Barnes and uh, Don Staley it, for the first time ever we saw two African American head coaches in a final four
3: mm-hmm.
1: Adia Barnes from Arizona who actually upset UConn and mighty mighty Gino Oryama and came close to winning, and came close to beating Stanford. Yes. Stanford won
0: the game. They, yeah, but,
1: they, but that's what we're talking about, though. And Arizona game had the, the last the shot. Of, they had
0: the ball for the last shot. They just couldn't get a good shot they had, off.
1: They had the ball with the last shot, and they had the best player to have the last shot, Ari McDonald.
0: Mm-hmm. She just she, couldn't get a good look. She
1: would have been the one who should have gotten the ball in her hand. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, we got to know all these young ladies, uh, Paige Beckers, who, hey, listen, if, if you guys don't know who that is from UConn, she is going to be something else. Yeah. <laughs> she is going to be, she is going to be a a star. She can ball, she can play, and you go back to you watch some of the girls from uh, from Baylor, like uh, Dee Dee Williams, uh, who was paralyzed partially and broke the paralysis in thirty two days to come back and play. That's something special for me. I mean, they have stories just like we do, just like the men do. And and for them to not be treated the way that they are, I just find it to be uh phenomenal. It's just it's just amazing to me that they don't get at least part of that. At least a piece of the pie. There's something else that I saw too. Um and it's kinda on that on that scale, it's kinda on that level. Mm Guys, but it's on a professional level. So I'm going to compare two two names, all right? Two people. I'm not going to say their names yet. So this one person, obviously, she's a female. The male and the female both actually have 17 seasons in the WNBA and the NBA, respectively.
0: I know who this is.
1: Both have won four titles. With their teams, all right. Mm -hmm. The 2020 salary of the female is two hundred and fifteen thousand dollars. The total 2020 salary of the male is thirty seven point four million dollars.
3: Right.
1: The bonus for her winning the 2020 finals was eleven thousand three hundred fifty six dollars. The bonus for this person winning the 2020 finals was three hundred and seventy thousand dollars. The male, I think everybody knows who the male is. That that has to be one LeBron James. Mm-hmm. The female is Sue Bird. Sue Bird, yep, I did see that. Sue Bird is one of the and Sue Bird. If you was to make a list of of the greatest WNBA players of all time, she's top three. Oh yes, she's top three without question. Mm-hmm. LeBron James, of course, you know everybody knows the debate. Who's better? Michael or LeBron? Michael or LeBron? Some people have LeBron as the greatest of all time. Some people have Michael as the greatest of all time. Whatever you want to say, right? But, needless to say, but the disparity in the space between those two, that sums it up right there. That It's not just on the college level, it's not even on the high school level. It's even on the pro level, to where females have to go overseas to see the kind of money that they want to see.
0: Yeah, and it's been that way for, I think it's the shame. Yeah, it's it's been that way forever. Uh this is the 25th anniversary yeah. of the WNBA coming up and it's been that way for all 25 years. Uh the visibility has gone up, no question. But unfortunately, even though the visibility has gone up, the pay scale has not. Um and it's going to be interesting. I uh, I think uh, another interesting development is Renee Montgomery the dream, Who was a great NBA, WNBA player with the Atlanta Dream? She is now one of the co-owners of the Atlanta Dream. Uh, so I want I want to see what's going to happen with that, whether or not they are, you know, we're not we're going to have the vanguard of change. Now, again, the WNBA has had a very has gone up in terms of its visibility. We're seeing more games on ESPN ABC. We're seeing more yep. of that, but it hasn't translated into higher salaries. Uh, yeah. and also WNBA teams, they're also they among the first to put uh, logos on their on the jerseys. But again, it hasn't translated into the higher salaries. And until it does that, until as you said so eloquent so eloquently until it gets to the point where the greats don't have to travel abroad to leagues in Europe, in Asia, in Russia, Japan, whatever, wherever, right? Correct. They they have to they have to be in a here twenty four seven to to help grow the game, and they can and they cannot do that right now.
1: So I want to ask you guys this: what what is it that the WNBA or the the W uh, the WNBTa can do to to make this kind of change? What do you guys think? That, like, what are some of the measures that they that they may have to take, or what does the WNBA in general have to do to to, to well, make this? Well, you know, to to make it a fair ground, you know.
0: Well, that's a, that's that's the tough one because it seems that. The only way you're going to get more money is if, well, you've got to improve the, um, whatchamacallit, you, you have to get the contracts have got to be higher. You've got to get more money on the contracts. You've got to get more people in the seats. That's true enough. And I hate to say it, but you've got to um, quite possibly consider raising rates on uh, concessions. We always complain yeah. about when you go to the Hawks, it costs $12 for a beer or for a beer and a pizza, right? And, and, and maybe, I'm being, maybe I'm being on the low end. So you, right. you, you got you to, gotta, I hate to say it, but you got to do that too. And now, and, and then of course, or you uh, get more money for the corporate sponsorships. You get even bigger thing, and this is a bit of a risk, you expand the league. You have 12 teams right. right now generating revenue. The NBA has 31 or 32, 30, 30, I think it is. And the NBA is considering expansion. Whether or not they're serious about it, I don't know. But they're kind of kicking the ball around, as it were, in terms of expanding. Or maybe it's, uh, no, no, you know what? No, it's Major League Baseball that's kicking the ball around. That's debating it. I don't, I don't know what it, the NBA is doing. I do know they would love, they would absolutely love to get a team back in Seattle. Seattle has just been clamoring. Right. That, is, that is a market that needs an NBA, an NBA team, no question. Uh, the only question is where right. do you put the other one? And I'm sure there's a bunch of markets that would love one. Um, I'm thinking Nashville might be at the top, at the top of the list for this
1: yeah you uh, yeah yeah Nashville is a pretty uh big market and then you can i guess you can give memphis a rival. yes i, I, I don't know it kind of baffles me that the Memphis grizzlies are in the western conference and yeah i don't
0: of, i don't, just, under, I don't understand that i don't understand that either never
1: understood that yeah but so yet, that, just <laughs> never understood that so but but it could happen to where they do move to the eastern conference if they do like you said john they get two, they get two teams and, and you just you either put that and put them in Nashville, or you you get that other expansion team, mm-hmm. Seattle, and another team, probably another California team or something like that. You put them in the Western Conference, and then you just move Memphis over.
0: Or but, Las, Las yeah, Vegas. I, Las Vegas could be. Las Vegas could be one too.
1: Like, yeah, exactly. I think Las, question, yeah, Las Vegas would Raiders probably be the best. There.
0: Would but again, I don't know how serious they are. I don't know how much this is a. Uh, I don't think. I, again, the NBA has got so many more issues to address before they can even think about expansion. I'm, thi- yes. I'm thi- I, uh, the big thing they have to. The big thing they have to do is fix their schedule. That's number one. That's number one. There's whether or not I don't know if two. Um, we've got we're, the load management thing. That's got us. That is, you can do load management again. This is a very long, long argument. Load management again, the pros, the, 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 uh, where a player, a superstar usually takes the second or the first day off, game off on a back to back. I don't mind the player doing that at home. I do mind it when the player is on the road because oftentimes you, if you're going to the Lakers, Leon, you want to see LeBron James. You want to see him, and if he's taking a day off because of load management, you know, you're gypped. So the NBA has got to fix the schedule, whether or not that means increasing the regular season by a week, decreasing the amount of games. You know, they got to fix that first. And another thing they have to fix is this, if you're a, if from the... If, again, if you're Leon, you love the fact that the Lakers are strong year in, year out. But for a purist, you want to see some parity. You want to see not so much the super teams. all right? And you also have, right. to, you also have to fix the one-and-done situation. Because these kids, they come out of college with only one year. They are not pro-ready. They're not. They don't have polished games. They're not polished. Now, the NBA is getting there with the G League. The G League is doing a lot, a little bit of addressing it. So they're, they're kind of getting it. But the NBA has got to get its house in order before they can even think about, about um, expansion. And everything else, and of course, this is all started with the WNBA. And Leon, our NBA expert, we haven't heard from him during this little conversation. I would love to hear what uh, your thoughts on this. Leon, we lose, Leon. I don't know. Yeah, is he there?
2: I'm, I'm, I'm in. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We're, we're Daniel and I were just. Oh, boy, talking. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm in attendance.
0: All right, we're just talking about uh, the NBA, and I just want to get your thoughts on what the league needs to do, whether in regards to the WNBA trying to get their exposure up, um, you know, have it so that the best players don't need to travel 12 months a year chasing a paycheck. Ah,
2: this, This is a hard subject, man. Yes, it is. It's a hard subject to discuss. But we have to be honest. The WNBA has a product that no one really wants to consume.
0: Yeah. Now, exactly, because we we think it's we think it's a we think it's a viable product. I mean we don't mind watching it, but the but the uh but for the casual fan, the casual sports fan, it's way down the list. And so you got you got the case where of course people it's a great activity for a son and a for a for a father and daughter. And I think the best video we've ever seen of that is where Kobe and and his daughter was in attendance at a Las Vegas Aces game. I mean that right there is the best PSA the WNBA could ever have. And it's a shame that they haven't figured out a way to take advantage of that, but Leon is exactly right. You know, that's that's
2: the unfortunate reality, guys. I believe the the NBA actually subsidizes, subsidizes
0: the WNBA ten million dollars a year. Yes, they do. pay <laughs> So,
2: you know, for them, you know, for the NBA to be doing this for these young ladies, then for the young ladies to come out and say, "Well, we should be getting paid the same amount of money as them," well, young ladies, ladies, that, that's simply impossible. Mm-hmm. That's the point. The reason why, as you know, the, the the NBA is able to pay those those um these ridiculously inflated salaries. That I mean, I I never knew that a player could sign for like two hundred million dollars mm-hmm. until recently, the, the the supermax. But the reason why that is is because the NBA. Uh, I mean. They have a worldwide, a, a worldwide following. The The owners are forced to do business with the players. And they're forced to do business, i.e. business, with these guys. You know, you you, you have a whole culture that has lasted. on. The, the, the whole hip-hop culture has been lashed on with the NBA. I mean, it's just
3: huge.
2: So, the WNBA has yet to really reset it, and I believe the WNBA, you know, I mean, the two, 2K franchise, which is huge within the community, has, um, you know, brought the WNBA on and everything, but it, it, it's just where we're at right now. Uh, today, we
0: unveiled that Dr. Right. Right. Right, you know that's that's and definitely
2: a Maybe maybe the WNBA needs to do a better they need to do a better job in marketing the WNBA.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Because you know like the NBA came up, you know, like, you know like, if you look at um prior to Jordan, Nike wasn't really doing much. It was Converse, right. You know, um, the, the NBA has done a good job as far as getting involved in other, you know, creating different things revenue for stuff. That's what, the, that's what they need to do for the WBA. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying, I'm right. saying it's not impossible because um, I believe within the fast food chains. I'm not trying to ramble, guys, but I'm, within the fast food chain, um, M- McDonald's is another one in the franchise. I think it has in been Atlanta, for a while. And they don't have the best food,
3: everybody
2: knows that, but they have
1: the best marketing scheme. Right. Correct. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You, Leon, you, you couldn't have said that any better. It is not the best, it is not the best, you know, it is not the one thing that everybody should
0: go to. It's not the healthiest either. Well, the fries it's are good, a, you know, but they did something. With yeah, well, their fr- the fries are awesome. The, yeah, yeah, but they, they did <laughs> something over the last couple of years with their French fries, and they're not as good as they were. Right. I think they made, they made them right. healthier, how dare they. Uh, but yeah, and and, and right, and, and, and come on. I mean, we we all
1: grew up and we ate McDonald's. I used to eat every time the McRib sandwich came out. I was like eight, nine years old, and I had a McRib sandwich. Oh yes. Sometimes I had two of them, but then we, but then you grow up, exactly. right? And then you grow out of it. it yeah, but Leon, you couldn't say that any better. You couldn't say that any better. But they know how to market. They know how to get customers. They know how to bring people. Into their restaurant, they know how to open their doors, and they know how to stay open, and it's been that way for years with them. Well, we and that's what the WBA has to do. Absolutely.
2: oh so, you know that it, it, it's really a gift. They, they need the start doing a better job at marketing their
1: product. Hmm. And I think you it's know. just a question now of how do they how do they go with doing that? I mean for twenty for twenty one years, you know, you still see it still seems that the WNBA is at the bottom of the barrel of anything. Sure, we, we love the athletes, the players and what they stand for and and their stories. And and I mean they there's been some tremendous plays that have happened over the years in the WNBA, but it still gets sweet under the rug you swept under a rug, exactly. And Leon, you hit, the, you, hit the, you hit it on
0: the money, man. We yeah, are guys. We are getting close to the top of the hour. That means the N A the N A the N A I A bracket show is coming up, and I am trying to find where on the internet that we can get those brackets as they are updated. Again, Reinhardt, number nine in the latest poll. Uh, They're kind of on the cusp to charge, uh, to get a um, home game. Top eight, of course, would get a home game. But whether or not the Eagles will get in that top nine, or top eight to get that berth, or whether or not they will be on the road and where they're going to be on the road, I am trying my darndest, to find where that stream is, and hopefully I can find it and get that bracket out so we at least have some idea of where the Eagles are going to be in that first round. They did win the uh, Appalachian division, so they did get a b- automatic berth in the tournament. They did get that top 16 Seed, okay, maybe this is it right here. I think this is it Yeah, this looks like it So hopefully we'll be able to get that for you. Oh, it's a, it's a face. It's a Facebook live. Okay, that'll work and Looks like okay. Yeah, I just saw that. yeah they are on Facebook live over 1,000 people are tuning in So we'll just kind of we'll just kind of we'll just kind of uh monitor the feed until we get a result 0 for the Reinhardt Eagles here on the last three guys to do a podcast. Again, I'm John Moore with Daniel Bolt and Leon Brown. We Between the two of the three of us, we've done um, most of the Eagles' season, traveled to a couple of their games, didn't make Union, and didn't make Bluefield. Right now, the NAIA feed is going over the resumes of the different teams. I think they're just announcing who is in before giving the brackets. I just wish uh, I just wish they would go ahead and you know give them. But right now we just gotta sit through all sit through all the uh, preliminaries as to who's in. No doubt, no surprise that Morningside is in. They are the defending champions, of course. Grand View of Iowa is in. Lindsey Wilson from Columbia, Kentucky. They are in. Uh, if the NAIA is interested at all in uh, geographic concerns for that first round, I would suspect the Eagles to be either playing the Blue Raiders of Lindsey Wilson or the Seahawks of Kaiser. And I bet, and I bet that Kaiser's uh, resume is going to get posted right now. So we're just going to, yep, there they go. They have the, the Kaiser Seahawks right there down in West Palm Beach, Florida way down there, Kaiser again, they played a fall schedule. They did not play a spring schedule. So Kaiser is gonna have to kind of get the band back together, get down and get in get in playing shape and that is going be that is gonna be a challenge for the Seahawks. I mean I't I, no one ever has played a, ske- a schedule and then taken five, four months off, and then played the playoffs. so I, it's going to be very interesting how that how the Seahawks are going to um, fare in this playoff. And right now, the NAIA has just moved to a commercial after they've gotten their <laughs> their uh, first four teams in. They went to Huddle, uh, an ad for Huddle Focus. So again, we're going to have to kind of uh, do a little tap dance as we await the. <laughs> the announcement of these brackets. So um, first week of the Major League, while we we wait, first week of the Major League Baseball is in the books, and the Atlanta Braves, they dropped the first four games, but then they won the next four games, and I believe they defeated Philadelphia. No, I'm sorry, they play the Phillies later tonight, and now we're on ESPN. I'm I'm sorry about that. So the Braves have kind of just gone back and forth a little bit as they try to uh get their footing in this 2021 season um I, it seems to me we all know the Braves is this going to be it's going to be a very much of a repeat from various seasons of the Braves you know we know they can hit it's just a matter of will they get the pitching that they need to uh to survive
1: yeah and Atlanta yeah of course nobody told them that opening day was last week uh, <laughs> was the first week of April. And which is why the Phillies uh, was able to sweep them. And then they, then they lost. Uh, and then they dropped one to the nationals. Let him one slide. Let the bullpen let one slide uh, on them. They started out on four, but then they won five straight. Acuna has woken up. uh, uh Freddie Freeman is awake now. I mean, the, the players are hitting now. And, and I'm going to tell you one of those, one of the best additions. I, I said there were, in the offseason, there were two key additions to Atlanta getting back to where they were last year and possibly challenging the Los Angeles Dodgers, who are the defending champions. Um, it was the signing of uh, Charlie Morton from uh, Tampa Bay
3: mm-hmm.
1: and the re-signing of Marcel Azuma. Yeah, they That's needed Azuma. him. They needed him back. Yes. They needed him. He was the Josh Donaldson of the crew from the from uh from the previous year. They needed him and they needed his back. But the the one that nobody looks at is Pablo Sandoval because I think everybody thought that Pablo Sandoval did not have it all. I, he, he was washed up. Been, he was washed up a little bit. But but now this guy, is, you put him in a lineup. He is a very very dangerous dangerous batter. In that lineup, he can do some damage in the middle. In that middle lineup, maybe in the five or in the six hole, oh, he can do some damage. But they played the Phillies tonight on ESPN. The Braves do, mm-hmm. and, and I think they're going to be fine. I think they're going to be okay.
0: Well, they going into the season. We've just and as Daniel did some great tap dancing. The first round games are being announced right now. <laughs> Uh, Kaiser yeah. is hosting Arizona Christian, so there goes my geography theory completely out the window. Concordia yeah. five seed will be hosting Georgetown of Kentucky. That's the twelve seed. So if and that's pretty much all the teams that are close to uh, to Reinhardt. So I, if Reinhardt doesn't get that home game, the Eagles They're are traveling. looking at a very long travel. Uh, we've got yep. Northwestern of Iowa against Dickinson State of North Dakota. That's a six and eleven. That just leaves us the seven, eight, nine, and ten. Um, that and that's we're looking at St. Francis of Indiana or Marion of Indiana. I think those are the those are the two teams that are pretty much looming. On the Eagles' side of the bracket, as road games, the Eagles went to Marion, Indiana, a few years ago, and lost in the snow. Well, there's Baker and Olisat oh, Nazarene. that's a 7-10. So, looks like Reinhardt's going to be the 8-9 game, and that looks like a, a visit with uh, with Marion, I believe. I think I, I think that's right. Waiting for that final game to be released. And doing more tap dancing until they get around to it. Because right now they are breaking down the particular matchup. But either way, Reinhardt has never won a playoff game in Indiana. They've played St. Francis a couple of times. Both losses. Here it is. And it looks like Reinhardt sneaks into the eighth seed. And Marion will come here. That, folks, is a home game. So Reinhardt will play Marion, Indiana, number nine, at home in Waleska, Georgia, that means Daniel and I will be there on the roof this Saturday from Waleska. Yep. So we, so Daniel and I, we are gonna be on the roof. Marion, Indiana, we'll comes, comes to Reinhardt. Eagles will have a chance to get some revenge for their last, for the, for losing a few, a uh, couple years, a couple years ago. And that is what we've been waiting for for this 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 hour. So Reinhardt gets that home game on Saturday. That'll be the 20th of. That'll be. I'm sorry. That'll be the 17th of April. Eagles sneaking into that eighth spot. In the first round of the NAIA playoffs. So congratulations, Reinhardt, for getting that home game and sneaking into that eight spot by virtue of a just complete decimation of Kentucky Christian two weeks ago.
1: And well deserving for Reinhardt. Eight. No, they they they. Had a perfect season. Marion went nine and one, mm-hmm. and so you know I think that's probably what the committee looked at. They were probably two teams that were just extremely close, but they probably looked at you know the one loss that Marion had, or they probably look at just the dominance of of Reinhardt all season. Reinhardt really only got tested once, and that was down in and Leon, and I called that game. That was down in Montgomery. That was really the, the toughest test they had seen all season no one else could hold a candle to them right and that's just what it was and boy i tell you i'm i'm excited to to call this game because this is my first Brian hart playoff game oh yes so this is this is uh this is going to be interesting to see uh can't wait uh now all we're doing now is just waiting on the time
0: Yep. Uh, the last couple of ga- last game was one o'clock. Usually they go with a noon start. Uh, it'll be interesting whether or not they'll be they'll stick with that. But again, we'll have the game time for that. We'll have the stream for that. Everything on the Reinhardt Eagle Sports Network. Can't wait until Saturday for that yes, one. It's going to be a lot of fun here on the Reinhardt Eagles Sports Network. John Morgo and Daniel Bolton and Leon Brown. Hopefully we can get all three of us up on the roof i think we're going to i think we we might be able to depends on the time uh congratulations to hideki masuyama he won the masters first asian player to win the green jacket congratulations to him and well um i wanted to as we wrap things up here today again we were just kind of kind of doing a little doing a little tap dancing until we got to uh talk about this, and NAIA Football just retweeted my tweet about the Marion Reinhardt game. They're going live on YouTube to tell you all about it. Well, (laughs) I already know all about it, so I don't really need their information, but thanks, guys. Anyway, I do appreciate that. Uh, Uh, Yeah, go ahead. I wanted to to bring up
2: uh, a major event that happened in sports last night. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, just ridiculous of of massive proportion, and I'm saying this as an LA Laker fan. I'm talking about the upset that what that that happened last night, in which Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, um, Lamarcus Aldridge, who got completely bullied, Blake Griffin. There was no James Harden due to um, at least he had to, due to minor injury, but without LeBron James, without AD, without Kyle Kuzma, the Lakers managed to walk into Brooklyn and come utterly give them the rock bottom, the people's elbow, the smackdown, 25-point smackdown. Now, granted, Kyrie Irving um, and Dennis Schroeder were both ejected in the third quarter, but Kyrie Irving and Dennis Schroeder were both ejected. It wasn't just Kyrie Irving. So the game w- was relatively still even, and in in an outcome that should have never occurred, especially without the two biggest stars. You know, I would say LeBron Bright be the best player in the NBA with A.D., you know, probably a third or so. But without those two in, you know, in uniform, managed to pull that off against the net, I mean, this is,
1: I, I was shocked.
2: I'm like, well, wow, I'm looking at the score like this is, this is really happening. So, And I know in the grand scheme of things that the regular season is, you know, at this point for these two teams are nothing more than bragging rights. But what a heck of a brag though this is! I mean, this is, has to be like you know, like the you know that that one snicker that you give, you know, like that. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah! I mean, th- th- this right here was the snicker of the year, right? So, so to speak. So, um, and the Lakers, you know, we have one. Bit, I, I, I didn't know that this acquisition of Ben McLemore what's going to be as huge. I mean, this guy was huge last night. Mm -hmm. So, kudos to, to the, to the purple and gold. Well, um, last night being the blue and white. And, um, big snicker to the Brooklyn Nets who are an embarrassment of wealth. And it's been brought up that the league, if they're 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 contemplating on changing the rules don't think they should you know if, if, if it, it is what it is, you know, as far as with buying out of major players, I mean, you know it happens because it, it worked out my team's best favor, so that's interesting so, you know,
0: yeah mm-hmm. Well, let's to close us out here, but uh, we've got a couple minutes um here in the last for you guys to do a podcast. I uh, just want to say thanks so much for listening to us for watching us, and again, we'll be on. This episode will download on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts on Tuesday. But I want to take a moment and um, just seems like every day there's some negative thing that's happened. And tragedy struck my family um, this week. My, it was something that was expected. Uh, my brother-in-law, Russ Ketchum. Married my sister for about oh boy, uh, thirty years, thirty-five years or so. They have four children. Uh, he died on Tuesday morning from complications from cancer. It was in the pancreas, the liver, and the lungs. As a matter of fact, the lungs, uh, the one, the lungs, the growth in the lungs. It, it grew twice in size in a matter of a week. He was uh, fifty-nine years old. The diagnosis came February, middle of February, so in about six weeks, he uh, went downhill and succumbed to his injuries. There really wasn't a chance for doctors and the family to decide on a um, course of practice, a course of treatment. By the time they made all the uh, diagnoses, it, honestly, it was just too late. And he kind of accepted his fate. He spent the last week tr- putting his house in order, putting his affairs in order. I was out to see him two weeks ago, so I did see him before he passed. His memorial service was yesterday in Henderson, Nevada. Um, as a matter of fact, a lot of the community came out. My sister is a very big in her church, religious church, And one thing about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Mormons, um, they really understand community in terms of this issue. So she received a lot of care packages, a lot of food. Uh, Marie Osmond, as a matter of fact, yes, that Marie Osmond, sent a huge plate of cheese and fruit to help them out. And I want to thank her and everybody else who gave uh, in this time of need. My brother, uh, my brother and sister, he leaves behind four children: uh, Liz, Elizabeth, the oldest; Peyton, Drew, and Ryan. Those uh, from um, oldest to youngest, and five grandchildren. That would be Lily, who's twelve. Uh, the twins, Peyton and uh, I'm sorry, the twins Ella and Layla. They are nine. They'll be ten in uh ten next month. Darren, who's about seven, I think. And the youngest, Finn, who is going on four. And I want to, he was a um, kind man, the kindest man you'll ever hope to meet. Uh, You know, it wasn't an easy time. Nothing is. But he went through it with grace, with dignity. He will be sorely missed. And again, at the age of 59, extremely young taken way before his time it just shows that if you're a man woman doesn't matter get tested for cancer on a yearly basis make sure you stay up to date with your doctor make sure everything is being done and taken care of because when they found out about this cancer it had already progressed stage four and i am just flabbergasted beyond belief that this progressed as rapidly as it did Uh, I am you hear people who fight cancer for years and years he had months and not even when the diagnosis came it was six the doctors originally thought six months to a year it only was six weeks if you can wrap your head around that and the whole he leaves with his family. Even my my parents, my mom and dad, they live out there in Henderson, in part to be closer to the grandkids. They all live out there. Peyton, uh, Liz lives in Summerlin, which is on the east side, uh, the west side of town, the northwest side. That's where Peyton lives as well. Drew is in live in um, is kind of in between. He's out. He's on his gap year. And Ryan goes to school at a place called Southern Utah State, which is in Cedar City. That's about two out, two two and a half hours due north of Las Vegas. Uh, Russ will be interned Monday, I believe, and he'll be uh, interned in Cedar City, which is just over the Utah Nevada border. Um, and that will be Monday. So my family is, you know, grieving. This is, it's just, and my sister's got so much that she's going to have to work herself through this week, this, this year. So she's got all that. It's just, she's got the support of her family. And I just hope we everyone else can rally around and um, just be with them and take care of them for this, probably their greatest trial. And I want to wish them all the best. Uh, I'll be out there. Hopefully in a couple next month and hopefully, you know, I could do something more than what I've been doing, uh, for them, for my parents, for my sister, for everybody else out there. So I just wanted to say, Russ, you're you've been gone way too soon. Uh, rest in peace and give my best to everybody out there in Nevada. So I want to thank everyone for letting me get that off my chest Appreciate all your support. Appreciate everything that you've given, uh, delivered to us as we've tried to grow this podcast and we'll hope to do in the future. I just want to thank all of you. Uh, You meant more more to me than I could possibly confess in such a small amount of time. So we'll be with you next week. We're going to be talking about that Reinhardt-Marion championship game. Will the Eagles prevail? Will they get some revenge? Or will it be another instance of one and out in the 2021 NAIA football championships. You can catch that game live on the Reinhardt Eagles Sports Network at ReinhardtEagles.com. Looking forward to that. Of course, I'll be posting, excuse me, on my social media sites, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook, all the links to the game as soon as it gets announced. And, of course, Saturday, catch Daniel, Leon, and I live from the box, from the roof of the press box at University of Ken whitefield in Wolesk, Georgia, for that particular championship. Looking forward to it. And thanks so much for joining us here on the last three guys to do a podcast. Can't do it all without you. Can't do any of it without you. So please uh, hold your loved ones tight tonight and please make sure you get those regular doctor visits because uh, cancer is a silent killer and if it's caught early enough, it can be treated. You just have to catch it early enough. So please go to your doctor when you can. Not every day, of course. You don't want to be a a hypochondriac, but still make those regular visits. Get checked. Get screened. And um, hopefully what happened here won't happen to you. So thanks so much, and have a good night.